0: Consistent self-improvement everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy podcast and I am your host Classic. I am here with my co-host
1: Gypsy and today we have Fiona DeMarc. She is an inspirational speaker, resilience coach and healer from Australia. Welcome Fiona. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Glad to
0: have. You. It's a pleasure having you tell us a little bit about yourself so you're in Australia right now what what is what it what is it like growing up in Australia
2: um, I actually grew up in really interesting part of Australia so very outback kind of um, a place called broken Hill so a you have ever come across the movie called um, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which I believe was quite famous worldwide, um, and seeing some of the red dirt, that, that's pretty much the um, the atmosphere that I grew up in. So, um, yeah, very, what you see on the tourism ads was pretty much what I grew up with, um, not, not the beaches, but the red dirt and the kangaroos jumping around and um, literally snakes in the backyard. So that was all a bit of adventure. And um, something that makes me a little bit unique, I guess, is my experience of growing up has been as somebody blind. So um, to today, um, I live in Melbourne and um, am running my business and working a government job and doing a lot of other bits and pieces, but doing that as someone who is living with a disability as well.
0: Okay. So what... What actually walk us through as far as growing up um partially blind, yeah
2: look, as a kid, I was very blessed in the sense that um you know there was probably always someone there looking out for me, and so although I have always had um, quite significantly deteriorated vision when it comes to um you know seeing in dark areas and things like that, my general wasn't so bad when I was younger my, my eyesight has deteriorated across the years and so as a as a young child kind of um you know primary school age um up until about sort of you know 10 12 um my vision was reasonable enough to sort of you know not have a huge impact upon the things that I wanted to do and I think Because I grew up in such a remote location, there was um, not a lot of resources for special assistance either. And so essentially that kind of made me be quite resilient and kind of just work out how to get on with things. And so there was no special school or anything like that. It was just mainstream education with a few little bits sort of, you know, processing along the way to, to make it work for me. And it wasn't until I was a teenager that sort of all of a sudden you get that huge identity crisis as a teenager and you sort of start to think, where where's your place in the world and in the community? And, um, you know, I did question myself a lot in relation to where I sat with my disability and, and what kind of future I had. And and that left me in quite of a, a difficult space for a while. And, um, you know, I felt like I didn't really have a lot of connection and support from other people. And... You know, just once again, due to the remoteness of where I grew up, it was something that I hadn't other, um, experienced other people with um, a similar situation as myself either. And so it was it was a, a bit of a discovery of working out a lot of stuff on my own and then, um, you know, coming to conclusions about which way I was going to go with that for life.
0: How have some of the advancements in technology aided with um, some of the disabilities you've had over the... Yes.
2: oh it's it's amazing i think now um you know what i would do without technology like i mean you know even just the simple things like um you know built-in accessibility on things like apple products so i mean i use the same iphone as everybody else i use an ipad just like everybody else and and it's got built-in features to have a voiceover um you know i've got special talking software on my computer which then reads everything out so imagine using your computer with no screen and no mouse, just a keyboard shortcut for everything and then um, a little extra voice sort of, you know, reading everything out on the screen. And, you know, those advances in technology have been something that have been, you know, gradually implemented along the years. And I think, you know, if I was to look back at the things that were available as I was growing up, um yeah certainly the there's some a lot of advantages to that technology in terms of being able to access things like education and the workplace and um you know just general everyday activities that everybody takes for granted like i mean you know if you couldn't use a mobile phone you know what would that be like yeah Mm. yeah that's
1: crazy
0: yeah it's a different world completely what are Mm. some of the um i guess the, the the goals and dreams in um that they i guess in australia or where you're from that most um you know that's usually in the in the community or that's that's there in australia that's a little different from what we have here in america
2: I think Australians as a whole are quite laid back. We've got quite a, um, a chill kind of attitude and I know that certainly is the case with, um, you know, some, some people in America as well. So, but um, I think we do pick up on a lot of, um, you know, the pop culture kind of stuff. And so it's a little bit of a combination like, um, in a, a, and I think as generations change, and once again, that's probably very related to technology. So um, as I was growing up, there was still quite a large influence from, um, you know, maybe our, our British background here in Australia, where now I guess there's so much influence through things like Instagram and TikTok and whatever else that especially the younger generations are, um, you know, quite, quite, Americanized in in many of the ways I remember this very funny story actually when my daughters were quite young they were playing with Barbie dolls and you know they they put the American accent with the Barbie dolls and they just <laughs> automatically did it they'd seen Barbie on the movie or whatever and so they would walk up and I said why, why does Barbie have an American accent? And they're like, I don't know, that's just because it is. <laughs> and it's really interesting, that influence of, of um, you know, all of those little bits and pieces. And we do live in a very multicultural society here in Australia. And so I would like to think that we pick up the best of everything and sort of shove it all together and, and turn it into whatever it becomes, you know, quite genuinely Australian. But, I'm you know, it, it's very unlike um you know what you generally would see of australia in the tourism ads and all of that sort of stuff in terms of you know we we don't necessarily have the kangaroos bouncing down the road although i do have a funny story in fact they actually were literally bouncing down the road outside of my house at christmas time which was very very random this is Um,
0: recently or was
2: yeah like as in like a couple of months ago, like you know, oh, was, wow. uh, early in the morning we we lived pretty close to some bushland, and they were obviously taking the opportunity when everything was quiet to um change locations and literally there was a um a mummy and baby kangaroo just leaping down the street,
0: Wow,
1: <laughs> I was actually gonna ask earlier if if it is like what we hear, like there's a lot of different animals um you know just everywhere. <laughs> That's what I hear of Australia.
2: <laughs> yeah. so, certainly where I grew up, it was very much like that. as I mentioned briefly before. I mean there was there was quite often a snake in the backyard in the summer time that was going to try and kill you. Um, oh, but wow. you know generally as a well if you leave things alone like I mean I go walking in the national park quite often and mm. um, you know still uh, well, I mean last week we seen kangaroos eating their breakfast. Um, a couple of weeks before that we seen a, a, seen a snake going into the bushes. And um, yeah, you just sort of avoid them. You're kind of aware of the fact that you're sharing the space with them and just go, Oh, okay. Yep. As long as I don't antagonize things, they're not going to try and eat me. So we're all good.
0: Yeah. I love nature. So, but you know, I've I've never encountered a kangaroo. So (laughs) I would, I would like to have that experience one day, maybe to visit Australia. I've never been to Australia. I've been to a couple of other places. (laughs) but um never australia maybe a, you've you encountered deers here um
2: yes what's yeah. some uh
0: coyotes we're in california now
2: Ah, uh, yep that'd be cool
0: and there are a couple other of course raccoons and possums and stuff very often <laughs> yeah but it's it's not quite i guess the poisonous level of um australia <laughs> Or the venomous. Level. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. C- cute rather than I oh, will I will kill you by biting you and 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 whatever else. Yes, but, <laughs> yeah. and you know many many people do not get to experience. I mean, I've been very lucky in the sense that I have had that experience. But you know, if you spend all of your time in the city, you potentially don't have that experience of the animals and. You know, even not so long ago I went to um, holidays in, in northern Australia up in Queensland and I went to the Australia Zoo. So you may be familiar with, um, you know, the Irwin families like Steve Irwin and Bindi Irwin who have done quite a uh-huh. bit of Australian sort of publicity in, in from America. And um, I went to the, the animal park um, you know, it was facilitated by their family. And I, they did have many sort of hands-on things. Like if you go to my Instagram, you can see me patting kangaroos and koalas and stuff. Okay. And you know, it was, it was actually really interesting. It was a great opportunity to have that hands-on experience. And I guess a lot of people would have never had the opportunity to do that before they go and visit a place like that. Either. So, you know, it's not just, um, it's not just people from, um outside Australia that haven't had those animal experiences it's quite often the people from inside Australia that don't ever have them
0: oh okay
2: so
1: what inspired you to get into um doing ins- you know inspirational uh, speaking and
2: coaching um look I come from a social work background so it kind of goes back a little bit to that that teenage me that didn't really know which way I wanted to go and at a point of of you know, I guess a bit of a dark depression, I kind of realised, well, you know, I've got the opportunity to share my story and help other people. And, um, you know, by doing that, I thought, okay, well, let's go and study a social work course. So I did that and then dabbled in a lot of like natural therapy kind of bits and pieces. And then eventually came across a life coaching as well while we're in COVID times. And I thought, well, that's the perfect bridge to, to match the more sort of, you know, structured social work counselling kind of perspective with the more sort of you know alternative um alternative therapy kind of stuff and so it was then the opportunity where i thought well you know i'm i'm in a unique position where i've now got these skills that i actually can make a difference and not everybody that has a disability has the opportunity to make a difference and step up and use their story to you know advocate for change and advocate for you know, their peers. And I think if I'm in that position, then I guess it's kind of my like community service in some ways to actually, you know, step up to the plate and actually try and, and make the world a bit of a better place for everybody.
0: Yeah.
1: What what's like, the, what are some common things that um, people come to you for?
2: Um. The, the best thing is is um, it, it's quite unique, everyone's different story and that's why I love the coaching so much is because it can take on, you know, whatever perspective you like and so it might be that just people are a little bit stuck and they don't know where they're going and everything seems to be sort of circling around and they just feel unhappy and aren't even sure why. Um, versus someone that has a specific um, goal to say, well, look, I'm unhappy in my job and I want to do something else or, you know, my, my social life isn't quite what I would like it to be and I need some, some guidance to kind of work out where I can go to, to improve those specific things. So it, it really does depend and the best thing about coaching is it is very specific to whoever that individual is that comes along Um, it's not a structure in the sense of, okay, well, this is a particular program that we follow. It's more, okay, well, what do you need? And let's, let's work from that basis instead. So it it pretty much gives all sorts of different outcomes.
0: For some of our young listeners that may be listening, what are some of the challenges that um, you may come across when parenting as uh, with disabilities?
2: Um, I really did question when it came to thinking about my disability and whether I could even be a parent. And there was a lot of negative self-talk that went on in my head and a lot of questions about, you know, what was I going to do with the child ate Lego? You always hear those horror stories of the, you know, ended up in the emergency room because the kid's eaten Lego and has choked and, and now it's a big disaster. And I thought, oh, my gosh, what happens if that happens to my child? Because I can't see it eating the Lego. And then the logic kicked in somewhere, and I went, well, you know what? Most parents don't see the child eating the Lego. That's the problem. (laughs) So I thought, okay, well, let's just not have Lego in our house, and we should be okay. So, you know, it was a case of just working out what what it is that um you know happens to work for me and you know looking back now my my daughters are now 16 and 18 and look there were certainly things that they experienced differently across their life but at the same token i think you know they've had the opportunity to then think about things differently and create a non-judgmental attitude and i think that's really important And that was evident from really young onwards. I remember it it would have been at least 10 years ago. So they would have only been maybe six and eight at the time. And we are at the local shopping centre. And they kind of would have be been to the, the bathrooms and they'd say, oh, just, just wait over here for a moment, Mum. And they sort of, you know, parked me off to the side and they'd come back a few minutes later and I said, what, what, what we you guys up to? And they said that they had um, gone to help a lady to um, use the the door on the accessible bathroom because it wasn't an automatic door and she had, was in a wheelchair and she was struggling to, to keep the door open while she accessed the bathroom. And I thought, wow, at, at that age, to be able to just, decide that they were going to go and be helpful to somebody that was obviously in need i thought you know what like that that is my disability actually making a difference to their lives as well and you know if i've taught them to to you know process people in a different way and to not judge them and to to be a little bit more creatively thinking about the way that they deal with people then i think that's that's been an absolute success that's beautiful
1: Guess.
0: Um, no, I didn't have a question. I'm sorry.
1: Um, I guess yeah. I was going to ask, what are some things that helped you um, when you're going through challenges, um, whether it's, you know, books or people? Um, meditation. Are, or meditation. Um, what are some things that help you, you know, keep balance?
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, all of the above, um, you know, I think it's it's a task for everybody to work out what it is when you're in those moments that's going to work for you and not the same thing is going to work every time. And so I must admit I am very reliant on on reading. I use audiobooks all of the time and absolutely would be lost without without the ability to read because I think sometimes that's escapism. And so no matter what's happening in my life, I can always go and learn something from a book or go and escape into a fiction book and and put myself in another place and time. So I think that that's, um, you know, a really good thing. Listening to music, um, going and doing some exercise, spending time with friends. And I think it's always really important to know who your connections are And what kind of connection you're going to have with them when you're in need. And it might be that that's that person that you can cry on their shoulder and know that they're not going to judge you and they'll just listen to whatever it is. Or it might be the friend that you call to be able to say, hey, you know, I've had a bit of a rubbish day and they can tell you something funny and you will always end up having a laugh and, and, you know, moving on from whatever it was that was your problem. So being able to identify what different people can offer to you and, you know, being able to resource those things at the time.
1: Now, looking um, through your information, um, I realize you do some healing work and some Reiki. Can you, I've just came, recently came across um, Reiki. Can you speak to that a little bit and uh, what you do with it?
2: Mm -hmm. Um, So Reiki has been around primarily, I guess, kind of hit the Western world in the 1920s. And so, wow, I I just realised that's 100 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't seem seem like it was that long ago now. And so, um, yeah, and essentially I guess I I was introduced to Reiki by a friend and I didn't know anything about it, but one day I was at her house and I had a migraine headache and she says, hey, I've just learnt this new thing. And I'm like, well, I don't know, let's give it a go, anything's worth a try. And it did actually, um, you know, make a difference to my headache and, and you know, you can look at it from a different sort of perspective and go, oh, maybe it was just the placebo effect of, you know, laying down quietly for half an hour and having somebody sort of, you know, calm me. But having said that, um, you know, I do believe in the, um, the extra sort of energetic healing. And regardless of the way that we think about this is, um, you know, I guess we live in quite a disconnected society. And so even just to have someone spend some time with you where they're totally focused on you for half an hour or an hour and they they're giving you energy and you're getting that personal touch. I think that that's that's one of the greatest things about Reiki or any kind of um you know any kind of healing modality where you're spending time in the same place as somebody. But um I decided that I was interested enough in this that I wanted to learn how to do it, and then eventually learn how to teach other people. So um, I went through the steps and became a Reiki master. And I must admit, I don't do a lot of healings as such um, for people that I don't know, but always incorporated into my life. So there's not a day that goes by where I'm not doing some kind of, you know, energy healing on the cat or my husband or you know, whatever whatever yeah. happens, you know. I probably should be doing it on the, the technology a little bit more and see whether that's a little bit more kind to me, especially <laughs> after this week. But, um, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see. Usually I get frustrated and start to swear at the technology instead of going with the hands-on kindly approach. <laughs> Maybe I need to, to, to go with the alternative.
0: Yeah, it can, it can get a little frustrating with the technology sometime. Um Gypsy's more of the tech than I am. So I understand you. What do you mean by that sometimes?
2: Although I must admit it was quite funny when my my laptop died and I was in a Zoom meeting and and I couldn't take myself off of mute and I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And I called my husband to come and help because he actually works in IT. So I thought, you know, if anyone's going to be able to fix this, he will be able to. You realize that your screen's not turned on, and I'm like, "Well, I use a screen reader; I don't rely on it." So, therefore, no, I didn't.
0: Oh. And it turned
2: out that the, the laptop had actually died. <laughs> and, so,
0: oh, and, and...
2: The, the screen not working was just the beginning of, um, you know, a whole whole kit of problems. But it was like, "Well, you know, just because the screen's not on doesn't mean that I still can't be using it with my voiceover." <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, what is your favorite screen reader?
2: Um. When, when do you? It de- really. De- it depends. Like so. I guess I've always been um a, a Windows user when it comes to computers. So there's a software program called JAWS, and um it. it Um, is very customizable and reads everything out but having said that you know just the capacity to be able to use the phone or the iPad and and surf Facebook or Instagram or whatever um, you know the the Apple accessibility is really good as well so they're the main two that I would I would be using
1: I'm actually familiar with um, one of the things I do at work is make sure sites uh, that I work with are accessible Um, so, you know, i am familiar with some of the screen readers and, um, ways to make things more accessible. Um, do you feel like overall, um, the online and when you're doing things online, do you feel like the accessibility in general is getting better?
2: It is absolutely getting better. There's still still things that need to be fixed. And, you know, little bits of programming that, you know, someone obviously just hasn't put in a lot of thought um, into the accessibility. So Instagram is a perfect example, actually, in the sense that, um, you know, you go to one section of Instagram, like you make a post and the area that you type your caption in, everything is lovely and accessible and it all reads perfectly and everything's lovely you go to do a reel and you go to that same caption area and it suddenly doesn't want to play nicely with the accessible voiceover software and doesn't read out what you're typing and won't let you paste and and it's it's really interesting how you think oh well you know presumably those two things should be set to to be very similar and you know from a a perspective of someone who is not using the voiceover, they probably wouldn't even realise that those two features behave completely differently, but for some reason they've been programmed differently and one is lovely to use and the other one not so much. So it's, it's just a case of, um, you know, I guess the more awareness that's out there about accessibility and the accessibility guidelines. I think the more, um, you know, organizations will pick it up and I'm certainly finding that, you know, you go and visit, um, you know, shopping websites and things like that. They're definitely much, much better than what they used to be.
1: How does it work with apps? Um, like I know how, you know, screen readers and things like that would help you use a computer. Um, how do you use a phone, I guess the uh, screen reader? yeah, work? in most
2: circumstances, it's okay. Um, mm, most circumstances is okay. um certainly, there are apps that have been designed that are not accessible, and it's it's really frustrating actually like i mean i I have often you know paid my my couple of dollars and downloaded my app. And then go to use it, and it just reads out button, 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 and I'm like, well, that's not really helpful at all. <laughs> so you know, that's really frustrating. And generally, I will try to always make sure that I give feedback to the developers if they've got the option to do so, to say, well, hey, you know, look, this is this is not accessible. Um, but having said that, yeah, like it's it's a bit it's a bit fifty fifty. But most of the time, um, you know, the the larger kind of um, programs that and apps that most people would use as a general rule, they do tend to be quite accessible. Okay.
0: Well, before we get ready to um, close things out, um, was there anything you'd like for our listeners to know about any projects that you have coming up or anything? Where they
2: can find you. Where they
0: can find your information.
2: Yeah. So I am all over the socials. So if you look up Fiona D Mark, um, you'll find me blind inspiration on Instagram and Facebook. And my surname is like Denmark without the N so nice and easy to remember. And I also do have a website which has some free eBooks and stuff on there as well. And that one is au. Okay. Well,
0: it's, been a pleasure talking to you we are um, we really appreciate you um coming on to the, the podcast and giving us your time and consideration and educating us on as far as the life in australia and even just what it's like to come up and share your experience with us um
1: and for the podcast you can find us at americangypsy.com um, we also have merch at com and we also have some music
0: you can check out some music at classic carpenter that's k-l-a-c-c-i-k c-a-r-p-e-n-t-a and that's on all major platforms spotify itunes um title uh youtube all major platforms thank you to our listeners again thank you again fiona and Consistent self-improvement to everyone and peace.